0: Last week on the Joes on the Pros podcast.
1: I just – I don't understand what Sean McVeigh is thinking right now. That offense just does not look anywhere close to what it looks like the last two seasons he's been at the helm. Dak Prescott was hot in that game. And
0: honestly, if I'm going to be completely honest – He has proven to me that he is a starting
1: quarterback in this league, and that he is a franchise player in tough crunch time games like that. You know, playoff time, you got to come in and you got to stop the run, and that's what Minnesota did on the road. The Tennessee Titans are now sitting at five and five, and since Ryan Tannehill has taken over, they have kind of turned their
0: season around here. You are now tuning in to the Joes on the Pros podcast with your host, Junie Riddle and Casey Warner covering all the latest topics in today's sports.
1: Welcome, everyone. To the 11th episode of the Joes on the Pros podcast. We are now on week 12 of the NFL. It was a crazy week 11 to say the very least a lot went down a lot of big names a lot of big happenings around the league and let's start with probably the topic of the past week and that's Miles Garrett and the whole debacle in Cleveland and what happened in that brawl between the Browns and Juni's Steelers so let's start with you know Juni being a Steelers fan and you know being so emotionally involved in that game let's get your thoughts initially on that Juni and what's your take on kind of what happened not only in the you know the brawl but the game in general I mean, let's talk about the
0: game first for a second here. The Steelers played absolutely god-awful. They allowed 11 hits on Mason Rudolphs and four sacks, which coming into this game, they allowed a season low on sacks on the offensive line. The Cleveland pressure really got to him. Mason Rudolph throwing four interceptions. Coming into the game, he only had four interceptions on the entire season. He now has doubled that in one single game. They played absolutely terrible. Uh, The Cleveland defense, I think, play a little bit dirty here in this game. Obviously, it seemed like they had a bunch of targeting hits, uh, head-to-head players there in the secondary, taking out some of our playmakers such as Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that kind of took some of the possibilities for us to come back in that game. Uh, They started moving the ball a lot better in the second half, but when you got guys uh, inexperienced, players in the game in crucial times it just wasn't enough for them to get back into that game uh but yeah it was, it was it was a rough game to be a Steelers fan but going being being a being a thursday night game after playing a rough game against the rams uh the week prior having a thursday night game on the road is always tough so i knew coming into that game they were going to struggle a bit and and it really showed them only getting a couple days of preparation uh going into cleveland on
1: thursday night Certainly a lack of offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers. As Junie mentioned, Mason Rudolph struggled. He was 23 or 44, only had one touchdown. That is not a very efficient game for your quarterback right there. The Steelers show they definitely need a quarterback to fill in if they want their offense to progress. Their running game struggled as well. 58 total rushing yards for the Steelers. If you're not going to have QB play, you definitely have to have a good rushing attack, and they did not have that. James Conner left the game early, as well as Juju Smith-Schuster. Those are never good signs to lose two of your top playmakers on the offense like that. Baker Mayfield though on the other hand, the Browns were pretty efficient. Baker Mayfield had two passing touchdowns as well as one rushing touchdown. That Browns offense didn't make many mistakes. They won the turnover battle 4 to 0, and that's the kind of things the Browns are going to have to do if they want to have any shot at making the playoffs. They're still going to have to run off a few. They're currently 2 games behind the Houston Texans for that second wild card spot. The second wild card spot is 6 and 4 for the Texans right now. The Raiders are 6 and 4 behind them, and then you got the Steelers and the Titans. So this wildcard spot is shaping up to be a very very tight race and you know after this game well, what are your thoughts on the second wild card spot? Who do you think is going to emerge from that list of teams right there? Unbiasedly, of course.
0: Unbiasedly, if I have to give it to somebody, I'd have to give it to the Oakland Raiders. I think the Oakland Raiders have a lot of home games to, you know, going down the, going down the end of the stretch, they have a lot of home games that they have, and it's against a lot lesser talent in the league. I think they're favored in the majority of the games that they play. Uh, obviously, they have a huge one coming up against Kansas City that we're going to have to look out for. But, yes, I think that the Oakland Raiders, as of right now, have the best opportunity. To make that last wild card spot, which is crazy, uh, because in the beginning of the season, a lot of people wrote them off, and a lot of people did not have any expectations for them coming into the season. But let's get into this whole Miles Garrett thing. It's been a topic that everybody in the National Football League is is talking about. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my take on it. I think it's absolutely ridiculous what Miles Garrett did. Um, he should be punished to the fullest by the NFL. It has already been claimed that he is not going to play for the remainder of the season, whether they make the playoffs or not. He is not suiting up for the rest of the 2019 season, which I think is just. Um, and I think on top of that, that they should sit him out in the beginning of next year, just to remind the rest of the league that this is unacceptable. A lot of people have been telling me that Mason Rudolph is the instigator, and in which I get that. And Mason Rudolph just came out today with the media and has announced that you know he he. regrets. Regrets his part in all of that. But there's one thing to get into a scrum uh, with with guys in the league here. But there's another thing to take it to a whole nother level. And that is exactly what Miles Garrett did. He should have known better. Nothing like this has ever happened in the NFL. Like scrums have happened, punches have been thrown. But to take your helmet off, ripping it off of somebody else without the chin straps being loosened up there and, and removing it, not only does that put a strain on the neck, but then to swing it. Full force. I don't know if you've seen a picture of Miles Garrett, but that is one of the most jacked dudes that I have ever seen in my entire life. And for him to literally cock back his helmet and to swing and connect on the head of Mason Rudolph is crazy. And for people who think that Mason Rudolph started it and deserved it, guys, I'm sorry, but there's levels to this, and that is just unacceptable, and I don't care who started it. Miles Garrett definitely ended it with that, and it should have never escalated to that whatsoever. Trash Cleveland Brown fans cheered him as he walked off the field, and that's just that's just garbage. It just shows how garbage of an organization the Cleveland Browns out, how garbage of a fan base that they have in order for them to cheer on somebody like that. That's absolutely ridiculous. And I think coming into this game, they were told to play aggressively as they did because it was obviously they were headhunting. They eliminated three of our best offensive players, and then for them to do that with eight seconds left in the game and for them to have nothing, you know, nothing to gain from that – it just goes to show how poorly coached they are, how how awful of an organization they are, and, and what kind of culture they have there in Cleveland. It's absolutely
1: ridiculous. I mean, wow. What I mean, what can I say to that? I agree wholeheartedly with you. The Browns really showed their behinds in that game. Uh, you know, Miles Garrett, I think, should not only be suspended for the rest of this season, but at least half of next season, too, man. I mean, that's just completely barbaric. What he did to Mason Rudolph, you know, like people say, you know, Mason Rudolph may have started. It doesn't matter, man. I mean, that's ridiculous. That is putting the game to shame. That is making the NFL look bad as a whole. And you just cannot portray the NFL like that. Miles Garrett made a fool of himself. He has no excuses. He has no reason to even want to appeal this. I don't know why he even appealed it. He showed his behind, and he showed why the Cleveland Browns, like you mentioned, were a classless organization on that very night. He could have seriously, seriously hurt Mason Rudolph, even knocked him out, even maybe even killed him if he hits him on the other side of the helmet. And that's just just no, no – just no can do. Cannot do that. And 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 that's something that we both know. We had bo- we have both
0: previously played football. I know you played a little bit in college there, but when you when you look at the dynamics of a football helmet, the side that he hit him on is a side that you put him on. That those ends of the helmet are expandable so that they are can be pulled apart in order for you to place the helmet onto your head and then it squeezes back onto your chin so it secures you tightly in there. On the other side of the helmet, on the crown of the helmet is the hardest portion of the helmet. Makers of football helmets are now putting so much emphasis and strength on the crown of the helmet in order to prevent concussions, and you take that, and you and you 180 that helmet to where it hits Mason Rudolph on the crown of that helmet on his head, you're talking about a cracked skull, a busted, gushing wound wide open on national television. The NFL needs to crack down on this because that's easily what it could have been, unfortunately it didn't happen that way, and we're blessed to see that Mason Rudolph is okay and that no serious injuries have come from this. But they got to make an example out of Miles Garrett with this. I'm sorry, but it, 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 I'm I'm furious as a Steelers fan. But I don't I don't care who it is. You cannot threaten the lives of another player um, on the field
1: by doing something as reckless
0: and stupid as that.
1: So last Thursday was certainly a blemish on the season for the NFL. But on the other hand, a very bright spot in the NFL this season has been Lamar Jackson and those Baltimore Ravens. They are simply putting it on people right now. A 41-7 victory over the Houston Texans this past Sunday. A great game overall for the Baltimore Ravens. Dominant, like I mentioned, on the offensive end. Lamar Jackson, 308 total yards and four passing touchdowns. We know Lamar Jackson can do it on the ground like he's been doing He leads all quarterbacks all time in rushing yards through 10 games. Just saw that a little bit ago. That is impressive, but he was able to do it in the air against a pretty good Texans defense. We love what we are seeing from Lamar Jackson. He has certainly cemented himself in the MVP conversation right now. A lot of people have him favorite to get that MVP trophy, but overall, like I said, just a dominant performance for the Baltimore Ravens, and they're definitely on the trend up right now as some people's Super Bowl picks. I mean, I currently think they're the best team in the league right now. You look at what they
0: needed this year. They lost four starters on defense from last season, and it looked like that that defense wasn't going to be as strong. They needed a corner. They went out and made the trade with the Los Angeles Rams there and brought in Marcus Peters, and he has been a difference maker there. Two pick sixes, obviously, in big games. But, yes, this Ravens team absolutely dominated the Houston Texans they got a pass rush on Deshaun Watson he was under duress the entire game and on top of that they capitalized on every single opportunity they got. They ran the ball all over Houston. They really exposed that Houston defense for what it is, and we, we've we talked about it here on the Joes on the Pros podcast before, that the Houston defense is not that good. But let's talk about Lamar Jackson here. Yes, Lamar Jackson is having a fantastic season. He's in the top 20 in passing yards, and he is also in the top 10 in rushing yards as a QB, which is absolutely crazy. His pass percentage from last season was 58% overall. This season, he's up to almost 67% on his completion on passes, which is a huge jump in his accuracy. And on top of that, he's only thrown five interceptions. And when you get a team like this that's running the ball, they're controlling the time of possession, and they're not turning the ball over, this is why this team is so dangerous. Adding on to this defense with this secondary being improved with Marcus Peters and the pass rush that they got on Deshaun Watson, this team is looking like the favorite in the AFC right now. Um, I still have my eye on the Patriots, obviously, because of that genius of Bill Belichick. But this team right now is the hottest team. They've won six games in a row, and they are showing why they should be the favorite in the AFC right now and why Lamar
1: Jackson has inserted his name to the top of the MVP race. Now, we've all been impressed with what the Baltimore Ravens are doing. And we've all certainly been impressed with the Houston Texans at times. But now it's kind of like this. It's kind of like we kind of are wondering who's going to come out of this AFC South. The Indianapolis Colts have now taken the lead again over, at, over the Houston Texans because of a tiebreaker. They both sit at 6-4. and four. And this coming Thursday night, Indianapolis heads to Houston for a huge showdown with the Texans. That's going to be for the lead for sole possession of first place in the AFC South. And the Texans this past Sunday, they kind of showed that they got some work to do. You know, only seven points put up against the Ravens. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't have a good game. He threw no touchdowns, threw an interception, only had 169 yards passing. Kudos to the Ravens' defense. For shutting him down but you know the Texans playmaker primarily is Deshaun Watson and him getting the ball to DeAndre Hopkins that connection did not go over very well Hopkins was held to seven receptions and 80 yards receiving not too much there on the offensive end for the Texans and they didn't have that much of a rushing attack so the Texans have got to get their stuff together and they have a huge game Thursday against the Colts if they want to win this division
0: and I think whoever wins that game here on Thursday is going to win the division I think it is such a huge game when we are in a such a pivotal place in the season right now Um, and I think a huge X factor for the Colts is one how is Jacoby Brissett going to play in a huge road divisional game on a Thursday we saw how the Steelers played after having a good win against the Rams how they kind of slowed down because they had had the short week and they have to travel all the way to Houston but let's see how this team does if Jacoby Brissett comes out and plays and especially if he has T.Y. Hilton who is wanting to play in this game he's still questionable he's traveling to Houston so he is still up in the air on whether he's going to play or not. But he is a guy that has had huge success in the past against the Houston Texans. And as we've seen from this secondary, Lamar Jackson just chopped this secondary up. And I'm telling you what, if Jacoby Percet's on it and T.Y. Hilton is playing and healthy, then I think the, the Indianapolis Colts have a
1: really good chance of going into Houston and winning this game. That's going to be a huge game. You can catch that on Thursday Night Football. Another huge game is the Baltimore Ravens heading to LA to take on my Rams. We'll touch on that a little bit more later. But coming up next, we got another huge topic that everybody has been buzzing about in the NFL, and that is Colin Kaepernick's workout that went down this past Saturday. We'll get into that next.
0: three years we've seen a lot of controversy when it comes to the quarterback of the 49ers that used to be and that is Colin Kaepernick A lot of speculation with him being blackballed from the nfl and he finally got his opportunity to get a workout in front of scouts it was planned to have 24 teams down in atlanta at the falcons facility to watch him work out but at the last minute colin kaepernick decided to change up the location change up the rules because he was not comfortable with the waivers and all the things that the nfl had planned for him for the showing he ended up moving it to a high school which was about 60 miles away from the location and only bumped it back an hour after the scheduled time in Atlanta so Casey I gotta ask you here Colin Kaepernick moved his workout only eight teams out of the 24 actually got to make it to the workout and watch uh, so I gotta ask you what do you think happened there and and who do you think should have given him an opportunity if he would have stuck with that workout with the 24 teams
1: well, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of angles I can take on this here. First of all, I think it shows that Kaepernick right now is more involved in the cultural and the business side of being an athlete than he is actually being a player on the field. And it's sad to say that because I wish the best for him. I want to see him play again. And I think he belongs on an NFL roster, but I think he has gotten caught up way too much in his, you know, his cultural background and everything that's gone on. And I don't think he should have moved the workout. I think that really, really hurt his chances of being signed by an NFL squad. But on the other hand, I still think that, you know, him wanting to do it his way is just his own comfort preference. I know there would have been a lot of pressure had he actually worked out at the Falcons facility, a lot of media, a lot of pressure. So I can definitely understand why he wanted to move it. Takes a lot of pressure off of him but it also takes the chances down of a team actually signing him. It's worth noting that of the teams there on Saturday, the Eagles, Chiefs, Redskins, Jets, Titans, and 49ers and Lions were the teams that ended up making it to the moved workout. And after the workout, the Redskins, Jets, and Chiefs were talking to him. And I think that's very interesting. I think a perfect spot for him would be the Jets, actually. I think putting him on a roster like the Jets – Kind of him mentoring a guy like Sam Darnold Being a kind of change of pace guy there Using him as more of a weapon I think Would be a good fit for the Jets But I know any any team that needs a quarterback I think would be benefited By bringing Colin Kaepernick in He brings a different aspect to the game Uh, From what I've read from the workout Saturday, he still throws a terrific deep ball. He still throws the ball very well. So I think that could benefit a lot of teams in this league that are having trouble with the quarterback position. Titans is another team I think he would fit in well with. I don't think he'll get signed anywhere at the end of this year or anywhere near that. But I think next season, this is something definitely to ponder. And definitely those teams that spoke to him after his workout are worth noting of teams that might end up signing him. So first to start.
0: I don't think he's going to get signed by anybody this season. He's 32 years old. He has not played in three years. Uh, But if there was one of those teams that I think that he would fit in good with if he were able to play and he was up to playing would be the Detroit Lions. Uh, We saw the Detroit Lions with a healthy Matthew Stafford, had a pretty good start to this season and could be a pretty valuable team with a good quarterback in there. I think that that would probably be the best fit. Uh, But let me get into it here about Colin Kaepernick. I don't think Colin Kaepernick wants to play football. I I, I really I really don't. Uh, and here's why: because he says he doesn't trust the NFL, but yet he's doing he he wants he, he claims he wants to get back in the NFL. Why would you want to work for somebody that you know you don't trust? That doesn't make any sense. And then here's this: he moved the location an hour before the workout to a place that was an hour away why would you do that? And anybody that knows anything, I heard Stephen A. say this on first take, he moved it to a public high school. In order to do that, you have to get permission from the superintendent of that district. This was obviously premeditated. He had a ton of fans there and media there waiting. So this was obviously something that was already in his mind to do. And it really kind of screwed him over. On top of that, Walking in with his Kunta Kinte shirt, which that's fine, like that's a great that's a great sitcom that they put on Roots. If you've never seen it, I highly suggest it. But you're comparing yourself to an enslaved man who got his name taken away, his rights taken away, and stripped away his life. When you're the one getting paid millions of dollars to play football and you choose not to. And here's another thing. He said that he wanted to move the location because he didn't agree with the waivers. The only difference that the waivers had because they got brought up the two different waivers, they were exactly the same from the one that he had signed when he had played and the one that he did not sign for his workout this past weekend. The only difference was that it said he could not sue the NFL for not allowing him to get a job, which the NFL can't promise him a job. And here's why. Cause number one, If he's going to get brought into anywhere, it's most likely he's going to be a backup considering he hasn't played a snap in three years. No football coach wants to have a distraction like that, somebody who's going to draw the media over a backup quarterback. All that's going to do is bring controversy and more media outlets into your locker room, and that is not something that a coach wants. Number two. When you look at Colin Kaepernick and his stand, that's fine. If you want to have those beliefs and you want to stand for that, that's great. And I support that if you want to go out and do that. And that's fine. He's donated a lot of money to a lot of charitable organizations and that's great but when you take a stand like that and you kneel for the national anthem it's not really something that's bringing people back together and when you're an nfl owner you are a business owner as in you look at dollars and you look at the production of your team when you when you get a guy like colin kaepernick i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna put it to you straight not a lot of football fans Not a lot of hardcore football fans are going to support a guy kneeling for the national anthem. Those things just don't go hand in hand. And when you got a guy that is coming in as controversial as that, an owner probably does not want that guy on his team because it's going to take away from his revenue and people supporting his franchise. So there's a lot of different things that are going to go into this with Colin Kaepernick. I wish that he would have, you know, just went to the Atlanta Falcons facility. I wish he would have done the workout because, I mean, it's, it's an intriguing story. He's a quarterback that took a team to the Super Bowl. As a football fan, I want to see what he can do because all this hype, all this talk for the last three years, put your money where your mouth is. Let's see what you can do. If you can play, you can play. If not, let's move off of it because it's a waste
1: of our time to talk about it. Certainly a lot of questions surrounding Mr. Kaepernick and if he will indeed play again. Of the teams that were present at the workout, a few of those are definitely in need of a quarterback, and we are certainly interested to see if those teams will end up signing him maybe even at the end of this season. But moving on, from a quarterback that has gotten a lot of attention, a team that has gotten a lot of attention in the past few weeks because of their struggles, the Los Angeles Rams. They went into Sunday night football, taking on the Bears at L.A. Coliseum, and it was a defensive game to say the least. There were no signs again of that Sean McVay high-powered offense that we we're used to seeing the last couple of years. It was 17-7, to the Rams coming out on top of that one. And Juni, I gotta say, this game I kind of expected to be a defensive battle like that, but I didn't expect Gurley to actually get the volume of carries that he got, and I was really impressed by that. And,
0: and that's what we go back to what we what we've been discussing all year about the Los Angeles Rams, and that's the fact that Jared Goff is still a young quarterback, and he still has a ways to go. And when you don't utilize. One of your best offensive players, such as Todd Gurley, a guy that has you know shown success at an MVP level in this league, you know it's going to make this team one-dimensional. And when you look at some of these Rams losses, like the the loss that they had against Tampa Bay, where he's throwing the ball 68 times in a game, you can't win football games like that. And when you got a guy like Todd Gurley, you can you can set, establish the run, keep the defense on their heels, establish the play action, and you know getting a more balanced offense really showed dividends for the Rams. Now, you say they're struggling. They've won three out of the last four, so you can't say that they're struggling that much at this point. They're on the right track. They got a huge game against Baltimore on Monday night this week, and that is something that I'm really going to be looking forward to to see how they compete against a top-calibered
1: team such as the Baltimore Ravens. Now this game against the Ravens, we're thinking is probably going to be more of a scoring game with Lamar Jackson involved, but this game against the Bears was a total defensive game. Both teams had less than 300 yards, and I want to touch on Jared Goff a little bit. He was sacked zero times in this game, and I'm just going to flat out say it right now. He sucks right now. Jared Goff sucks right now. I mean, he had his chance in this game, sacked zero times. He had all the protection he needed, and he still just he blew it. He still blew it. He still, it. He still had a bad game. He's got to get his stuff together right now. And point blank, what the Rams have to do right now is they got to just keep feeding Gurley the ball. Because Jared Goff is doing his own thing right now. He's not playing up to his highest level that he can play. You got to put it on Gurley. Give it to him 25 times a game, like we saw this past game. Get him involved in the passing game, like we saw this past game. You got to get the ball to your playmaker, your number one playmaker on the offense, and that's Todd Gurley. I will give Jared Goff this. He didn't have Brandon Cooks and he didn't have Robert Woods. But on the other hand, you still got to make plays. If the line's blocking for you and they're holding you upright and you're not getting hit or pressured, you got to make throws. And that he didn't do. But on the other end, a team that's struggling really, really bad on offense, even more so than the LA Rams are the Chicago Bears. Mitch Trubisky looked absolutely stupid out there, even worse than Jared Goff, and he got benched late in the fourth quarter. And when your so-called, quote-unquote, franchise quarterback is getting benched late in the fourth quarter in a big game like that, that is not a good sign at all for your offense. Yeah, no, I definitely think the
0: Bears are starting to realize that last year was a little bit more of a fluke than what people had thought. The defense really outshadowed that, and the fact that they didn't have film on some of the schemes that Nagy and the Bears' offense wanted to do with Mitchell Trubisky and his kind of dual-threat-esque kind of uh, you know, way of playing there. But I definitely, yes, I definitely think that the Bears are going to move off him, whether it's going after Cam Newton in free agency or kind of tanking a little bit more and trying to take some of these top quarterback prospects that are coming up here in the 2020 draft. It all just depends. It's going to be really interesting because the Bears have a roster right now that can win now. You add a couple more pieces on that offense and get a franchise quarterback. I think that they could be contenders in the NFC. But as of right now, the way Mitchell Trubisky is looking this season, it's not looking like it's going to slide in that direction and it's really a disappointment uh after the production
1: and the and the growth that we saw from this team last season the rams and the bears were certainly both hungry for a win the rams put themselves in pretty decent shape in that wild card race but you got to think the chicago bears are now virtually kind of eliminated at four and six but we are going to get into the elite of the elite teams next with the riddle rankings and our fantasy focus that we love to get into here on the joes on the pros podcast
0: we saw a lot of upsets not a lot of upsets that we saw this past weekend so not really many teams moving up or down in the rankings here but let's get it started with number 10 i got the houston texans at number 10 yes they're still in my top 10 after blowing that game against the baltimore ravens we thought it was going to be a top showdown between deshaun watson and lamar jackson it was not uh that offensive line did not play good neither did their defense and like we've said all season long here on the Joe's and the Pros podcast. This Houston Texans team is going to go where that offensive line takes them and that secondary takes them, and neither of them showed up against Baltimore. But, but. With that being said, Deshaun Watson is still playing like a top five quarterback this season in the league. And I think that they are going to put up or shut up on this Thursday night game. And I'm calling it right now. They are going to get a win against the Indianapolis Colts, who have given them fits for years. It is finally time for them to emerge as a team in the South. And they are going to do that. Give me the Texans, they are going to win. And I have them at number 10. Number nine, the Kansas City Chiefs are at number nine. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed with the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I thought the Chargers should have won that game. They didn't capitalize on some of the touchdowns that they should have had in the first half. Uh, Patrick Mahomes obviously looked a lot better in the second half there, but still, they can't stop the run. It seems like their defense can't stop anybody, and I think that that's going to hurt them, especially if they play a team like Baltimore, Houston, or New England early in the playoffs. I got them at number 9, still in the lead offense, but they have... Uh, a lot of work to do on that defense. Coming in at number eight, the Cowboys got it done in Detroit. It was a tough game. Um, I like the Dallas Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott is elite quarterback right now. He threw for 444 yards. He looked really impressive, really poised in that pocket. And I tell you what, when they're playing like this, they are going to be a tough team to stop in the playoffs. And as of right now, I have them winning the the East. I I'm not I'm not sold on the Eagles anymore. I'm I'm 100% on the Cowboys winning the NFC East and getting it done there. Coming in at number 7, they were down 20 to nothing against the Denver Broncos. And yes, that is a bad team to be down 20 two, especially at home. But the Minnesota Vikings coming in at number seven showed me a little uh, strength there, some perseverance getting back in that game. They are still an eight and three team going into their bye. Uh, they still have the second half of their season. And I, if Kirk Cousin keeps playing how he's playing, I know it's not perfect, but still he is getting the job done. This Vikings team is too talented to not be in the riddle rankings. Coming in at number six, the Seattle Seahawks are staying at number six here on the rankings. I gotta tell you, Russell Wilson, uh, I know he's being outshadowed by Lamar Jackson right now. He's still my MVP favorite. I know a lot of a lot of people are going with Lamar, but I'm sticking with Russell Wilson. Uh the poise that he has, the intelligence that he has, and the experience that he has, I think is going to lead this Seattle team uh to greatness. And I think that it's going to give them opportunities to either win the division or to make noise in the playoff as a wild card. Either way, I think this team has... Great is very well coached with Pete Carroll there and having a guy like Russell Wilson playing the way he's playing. Although that defense isn't that great, I still have them at number six. Coming in at number five, the Green Bay Packers are staying at number five. You know, they did not play this weekend, but still, that Packers offense is still looking really elite. The defense still needs to pick it up. We are going to see how they do that coming off of the bye this week, um, and we're just going to have to see. But right now, the Green Bay Packers are still an elite team, especially in the NFL. See there, and they're coming in at number five. Coming in at number four, I'm bumping the 49ers back down to number four, and here's why. Um, they should be blowing the Arizona Cardinals out of the water, and they've had two close games against them. I'm sorry, but whenever you get a quarterback that can scramble just a little bit, it seems that this team begins to struggle, and especially when you play a guy like Lamar Jackson, you're going to play Russell Wilson again. Um, I think they're going to struggle down the stretch, and on top of that, they play the New Orleans Saints later on in the season. The <laughs> cat in the Superdome, and I think that they are going to have a rude awakening when they play a team such as that. And speaking of the Saints, they are coming in at number 3 on the list. Uh, The New Orleans Saints bounced back this week. They had four turnovers against the terrible Jameis Winston down there in Tampa Bay, Uh, but they really showed that that defense is still elite. They're still getting turnovers, and Drew Brees is playing like Drew Brees again. I told you the game against the Falcons is just one little fluke game that they have about once a year where he doesn't play that well, the Saints don't play that well, um, and they got that out of the way and they really did bounce back down there in tampa bay coming in at number two the new england patriots this team is vulnerable they they have some flaws but they make adjustments uh in the first half of the game against the philadelphia eagles they were averaging about six yards a rush against that new england defense and then towards the end of the game uh they got held to about two yards per rush so it's all about it's all about um you know making the changes within the game um, for them to adjust and 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 get that win and that's and, I, and whenever you play in Philadelphia against with those crazy fans, you're always going to have trouble so coming in at number two is the Patriots number one is the Ravens, obviously they blow out Seattle and Russell Wilson you blow out Tom Brady and the Patriots and now you blow out Houston, Deshaun Watson um, this Ravens team has the most rushing yards uh, since the 1977 Bears through 10 games, that's crazy they're running the ball, they're not turning the ball over and whenever you can do those two games you're going to control games lamar jackson has emerged as a top mvp candidate and he's been playing absolutely amazing if if they can keep it up then they're going to be a huge threat to make it to the super bowl and they're continuing to be number one on my list for the second week in a row and that is your riddle rankings
1: another riddle rankings and another week of those baltimore ravens at the top of that list They are putting up fantasy football-like numbers. And speaking of fantasy football, i got some advice this week for you in this week's Fantasy Focus. I'm going to start with my locks, as usual. And my first lock for this week is Jacksonville Jaguars receiver DJ Chark versus the Tennessee Titans this week. Both times... He has went for 100-plus yards and two touchdowns, have been on the road. He travels to Tennessee this week. Tennessee, kind of a stout defense, but Tennessee is known, you know, to have some blunders on the year where they lose some questionable games. He's got Nick Foles back, and he has eight total touchdowns on the season. DJ Chark is a must-start this week. He's a great option at wide receiver. Lock him in your lineup. Another lock for this week is Josh Allen leading those Buffalo Bills right now. They play the Denver Broncos this week, and Josh Allen's got four rushing TDs in his last three games. We know the kid can run, but he's running exceptionally well in his last three games. And not only that, but he's throwing the ball pretty well too. He has no interceptions since week five. He's playing very efficient football right now. And it's starting to look like that Buffalo Bills offense is starting to pick it up a bit. Lock Josh Allen into your lineup because of his dual threat ability. My sleepers for this week, I'll start with my first sleeper, Carlos Hyde against the Indianapolis Colts. Last week was his first week with less than 10 carries all season. you got to put Carlos Hyde in your lineup. As stout as Indianapolis' D is against running backs, I think the Houston Texans are going to have a bounce-back week after only putting up seven points this past week against those Ravens. Carlos Hyde is going to be a sleeper this week. Expect him to get near 100 yards and at least a touchdown for those Houston Texans. My other sleeper for this week is John Brown, Buffalo Bills wide receiver, taking on the Denver Broncos this week. As I spoke highly of Josh Allen, I'm going to speak just as highly of John Brown. John Brown has at least four catches in every game this year. That's right, at least four catches in every game this year. Who would have thought that going into the season? John Brown is playing exceptionally well over his last couple of games. He had two touchdowns last week, and he is really starting to get that chemistry going with his quarterback, Josh Allen. Think about John Brown this week as a sleeper and think about putting him in your lineup for sure. And finally, my bust for this week, I'm going to start with this and passionately saying any Rams wide receiver is a bust this week. I don't care if it's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, or Brandon Cooks. You know, Brandon Cooks just got back to practice today. Robert Woods is still away from the team for personal reasons. And we got Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup still did not even have that good of a game last week. Granted, it was against the Bears. But like I said earlier in the episode, Jared Goff looks stupid right now. You cannot count on any of these Rams rod receivers to put up any kind of good production for fantasy numbers. Keep them all out of your lineup. You could maybe say Cooper Cup has an argument to be in your lineup. But still, if it were me and my lineup and I had all three Rams rod receivers, I'd keep them all three out of my lineup. Up. Don't put them in your lineup. And my last bust... For the day on the Fantasy Focus is Randall Cobb. Keep Randall Cobb out of your lineups this week. He's playing against New England. He's facing his best defense in the league on the road this year. And you got to think, he's got Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper still there that are stealing targets away from him. I know Randall Cobb has had a couple good games under his belt the last two. He's had over 100 yards and a touchdown in each of those games, but I think it's going to end this week. I think the New England Patriots' dominant defense is going to get the best of Randall Cobb, and he is a bust for this week and that is your fantasy focus for week 12 of the NFL. Really tough on the Rams there Casey, really tough
0: on the Rams. I I can't believe you're being that hard on your squad when they're 6 and 4. I think that that's pretty solid uh going into week 10 here. But you heard it here first man. You got the fantasy focus. You got the Riddle rankings. We've given you all the latest updates on Week 11 of the NFL, guys. Now we're moving on to Week 12. The season is starting to wind down. What a great season that it's been, and we are going to really start seeing some guys move into playoff position after this week. Uh, I'm Junie Riddle. That's Casey Warner. This is the Joe's on the Pros podcast. Stick with us next week for all the coverage of everything NFL.